Welcome to the King's Chapel Alaska podcast. From wherever you are listening, we are so excited that you tuned in today. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's Word. Luke 21. Luke 21, 22. What did I say? 21. 21, 37. Turn there. Are you there? Okay. How did I get to Acts 21? I do not know. Same author. Thank you so much. True. Here we go. Luke 21, verse 37. And in the daytime, he was teaching in the temple, but at night, he went out and stayed on the mountain called Olivet, verse 38. And early in the morning, all the people came to him in the temple to hear him, verse 1 of chapter 22. Now the Feast of Unleavened Bread drew near, which is called the Passover, and the chief priests and scribes sought how they might kill him, for they, for they feared the people. Then Satan entered Judas, surnamed Iscariot, who was numbered among the twelve. So he went his way and conferred with the chief priests and the captains how he might betray him, talking of Jesus, betray him, notice this capitalized, to them. And they were glad and agreed to give him money. So he promised and sought for opportunity to betray him to them in the absence of the multitude. Father, thank you for what you're going to do, what you've done. Incredible baptisms and people giving their lives to Christ. We thank you for those that are online. I pray even for the Capo family, Lord, who lost their father just yesterday, that you would cover them and help them. I pray for every grieving, hurting, broken person, that they would find strength and hope. And I pray for your beloved, your people. Blood-washed people, cleansed from sin. That, that tonight would receive even revelation from your word of how we can follow through and fulfill all that you've called us to do. That through this text and through this teaching and through my preaching, these lips of clay, you would burn faith in the hearts of each and every one that would hear it now and in the days and weeks to come through social media and all our other modes. God, thank you. We give you praise. Come on, put your hands together for Jesus. Come on, slap about three to five. Slap five people, high five. Give high five. To, don't slap them. Give them high five, five people, and then if you could be seated. Hallelujah. Wonderful. We call Sunday Super Sunday around here. And, uh, man, it has been a super Sunday. People getting saved, people getting healed. You know, again, I want to give a shout-out to our worship team who uh, labors very intensely. They practice for hours and hours during the week. They come in and practice before our services and do an amazing job. I love that new song. Thank you for the entire team. God bless you guys. Why don't you put your hands together for them? All right. If, if you play an instrument... Or you sing or you have a desire to, you just come on Saturdays at 9 a.m. and they'll plug you in. Or you can also respond on, an, on the app and send us a get involved uh, note through that. You just look for the get involved tab. 
tap that, follow it, and say you want to be involved in the music ministry, and they will hook you up. I also want to thank all of our children's ministry, children's workers. God bless you. They also labor very intense, intensely, and uh, it's a, a select crew of people. Not anybody, not anybody can work in children's ministry. You have to have an FBI background check, and you have to be qualified and trained. And, of course, we train you. The qualification is on you and your character, of course. Uh, we're so grateful for all those that labor, and we're uh, always looking for people to be a part of that, not only the children's team, but the worship team and every team. If you didn't hear this morning, God's plan for multiplication happens through the development of leaders and teams. In your business, that's how it happens in the military, that's how it happens in the church. We're looking for leaders. Come on, the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are, are few. Everybody say, watch your step. You ever heard that? Watch your step. I remember, you know, getting off an airplane, and they said, watch your step. And so you, you look, and you're like, make sure you don't fall. The enemy has a plan for you to fall. And so I want to preach to you a message entitled, watch your step. The greatest crime in all of history, I would say, is the crime that begins here in the text that we read. It's the betrayal of the Lord Jesus Christ, his death his crucifixion, and insights from this betrayal, this crime, can give us understanding. Now, we do have notes for you. Did you all get those? Very good. If you need notes, just slip your hand up, and one of our anointed ushers will bring those to you. Uh, insights from understanding how the devil works in our world to be a warning lest we become an instrument of evil. Let me say that again. The devil would love to use you as a pull toy. So if you're ignorant of his devices, then very, very possibly you could be used. Don't be ignorant of his, of his, of his ways. We're not ignorant. We need, we need to be excellent at what is good, innocent of evil, but we also need to be mindful as wise as, as doves, as, oh, pardon me, as gentle as doves, as wise as serpents, said Jesus. You need to be mindful because the enemy prowls around like a roaring lion. We're not to live in fear. We walk in confident assurance over him, but we're also not ignorant of his devices. And as you look at this text, I believe it brings revelation. The setting Jesus taught in the temple and he was protected by the crowd. You could see that they, these religious leaders, they hated him. They desired to kill him right there in verse 37. They, they wanted to take his life. They wanted to kill him. Uh, but he was protected by the crowd many times that they didn't want to riot. The other place that Jesus would be was the Mount of Olives, the Mount of Olivet, as it says. And Jesus spent the night on the Mount of Olives. We had the great joy of going to Israel. Maybe you have. If you haven't, we'll do other trips and would invite you to be a part of it. You go to Israel and you travel through the Holy Land. Your Bible will never read the same. You go through the Holy Land, it's just like, my gosh, it's all right here in a place that's smaller than like Rhode Island. It all took place. I mean, you can walk to the tomb. You can see the, the general locations of just about everything. I mean, you can stand on Mount Carmel and imagine the prophets of Baal getting hewn. It's amazing. And so we stood at the Mount of Olives. We're there. There's a church there. In fact, at every one of these major places, there's always churches and places of worship. And we, we, st we stood there. It's amazing. And so there's this conspiracy that takes place. Religious leaders are committed to killing Jesus. And the reason they were killing him is because he was taking away their power. He was breaking some of their oral traditions. And the oral traditions, the, there were traditions, oral traditions that, 
that the religious leaders set up around the law so you couldn't even come close to breaking the law. And it was just absurd bondage. And so Jesus came and broke many of those oral traditions and he upset every single structure in, culture, in the culture. And they basically wanted to kill him. They weren't so excited about him. And Judas betrays Jesus for money. Judas betrays Jesus for money. And you can't help but think like, how could he do that? What an idiot. There's a lot of theories about why Judas betrayed Jesus for money. And so let's look at some of those. The theory that Judas was forcing Jesus' hand. There is the idea, some scholars say, the idea that Jesus, uh, pardon me, Judas thought that Jesus would just slip through the crowd. He would, he would just display his power and then he would end up that much richer. And he would force his hand that if they came to take him, he would then say, okay, that's enough. I'm setting up my kingdom right now. Because in their mind, in their mind, this Jesus was the Jesus, the, the, the victorious Messiah of Isaiah 53. That he would come and he would remove Rome and he would break off the Gentile power and restore Israel and he would come and rule and reign. And I'm sure Judas probably thought he would be the man on that day. And so some think that, they for, that he tried to force Jesus' hand so when they came to take him that he would rise in this incredible demonstration of the power of the kingdom, wipe them out, and go on to lead and restore Israel. But that's not what happens. He certainly displays his power when they come to get him. If you read the book of John, he, said, he says, who are you looking for? They said, Jesus of Nazareth. He said, I am he. And in the original language it says, I am. That comes right out of the name of God, the burning bush of Moses, I am. And they all fell flat. Can you imagine if you'd been one of those in the, upon that, that group of soldiers where the Galilean says, I am, and everybody falls out. And they're like, wow, what was that? And they get up dumbfounded. So some believe that Jesus was trying to force, Judas was trying to force Jesus' hand. The only problem is he did it for money. He wasn't some misguided patriot. He had some issues. So who is Judas called Iscariot? Who, who is he? There's some clues, and I've taught you this before. It could be that he came from the town of Corioth, because Iscariot is a Hellenized form or Hellenized name of Corioth, Iscariot. So it could be that he came from that place. So there was Judas from the place of Corioth or Hellenized. In other words, the Greek version would be Iscariot. It could be that he was a zealot for Iscariot could be taken from the, from the word Sicarius. This is right in your notes. Sicarius means dagger men. There were a group of uh, zealots that hated, well, all Jews hated Romans. Romans. They hated the occupation. But there's a certain group that wanted to take it into their own hands to drive them out. And they were these dagger men. And they would, it's not actually all that uncommon now, totally demonic. There's a lot of stabbings going on in Israel. How many of you know that? They come, people pop out with knives and just, knives and just shank people. And so Iscariot could also, refers to the Sakari, which is these um, hidden dagger or dagger men is what that means. And so they were, these terrorists basically would pop out and stab Romans. So some believe that it maybe he came from that. We don't know for sure. 
But this we do know right from the text. He was one of the 12. Jesus chose Judas. Now you got to ask yourself, I mean, I, I raise up lots of leaders, pick people to be upon my team, always looking for leaders, always. I wouldn't pick a money-grubbing, you know, daggerman. You don't understand. I, you, you wouldn't look for somebody like, but Jesus chose him. He was one of the 12. Another thing we know is he saw the miracles. Turn to Matthew 7 and verse 21. Because it reminds me that Jesus, Judas saw the miracles. Jesus cast out demons. He healed the sick. And Judas saw it all. See, some people think that if you see miracles and that will solidify you and your faith, that's not necessarily true. Because you can look at people like John Mark. He, he, he turned on the mission strip and ran away. But when Barnabas came and took him, with all the meetings and the miracles of Jesus, the 5,000 feeding the 5,000, feeding the 4,000, you know, the, the blind to see, the lame to walk, what all the miracles through Jesus couldn't do in this young man, Barnabas came and took him alongside and discipled him, and he became John Mark, the amanuasis of Peter. How many of you know what amanuasis is? He's, he's the one that wrote down the stories of Peter in the book of Mark. Now, Judas saw the miracles, and it reminds me of Matthew 7, 21. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles. Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me. How could someone do all the stuff and, and, and yet go to hell? How does that happen? How could these things be? Let me suggest that Judas had what we call leaven in his life. I mean, what leaven is another name for yeast. Anybody have some sourdough, you know, in their kitchen? You make sourdough, right? It doesn't require much of that sourdough yeast to make sourdough bread. Just a little bit, am I right? And because it, it works through the whole lump, right? Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 6. Your glorying, says, is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Just a little bit of yeast works through the whole thing. Therefore, purge out the old leaven that you may be a new lump, since you are truly unleavened. For indeed, Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast not with the old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Jesus, pardon me, Paul, talking to the church in Corinth, corrected them about a man, a young man who slept with his father's wife. So now think about that. How does a young man sleep with his father's wife? Well, his father obviously got remarried or something, but it's not his mother, so it's his stepmother. And this young man has relations, we've got children here, with his father's wife. And he says, do you not know that a little leaven spoils the whole lump? expel the immoral brother from you. So actually, there's times in your life where you need to remove some people from your life. Why? Because if you don't like secondhand smoke, it'll work through you. It'll like leaven. It'll work into your life. You say, what, what, well, really? Yeah. And, and Judas, Judas had some leaven. He chose to steal the money. He was a thief. 
Turn to John 12. Mary comes in, bursting in and washes the feet of Jesus with a year's worth of wages. Oh, can you, so I don't know what you make in a year, but imagine what you make in a year, and imagine you're going to take that and just give it to God. That's a significant offering. There are moments of extravagant giving, and you'll see it in the Scripture. If you've never given extravagantly like that, the Lord will be tapping you on the shoulder at some point to do it. Don't, re don't resist it and write it off like it's the devil. It's not the devil. Some folks tip their waitress and waiter more than they would actually give unto God, and I'm going to tell you that that's not the way that should be. Be a good tipper, too, and all the people in the service industry said, Hallelujah. John 12 and 5, listen to this. Why wasn't this perfume sold for the money to give to the poor? What a liar. This is Judas. It was a, worth a year's wages. And verse 6 of John 12, he did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief as a keeper of the money bag. And he used to help himself to what he put in it. Judas was the treasurer of the church for Jesus. We have all kinds of systems in place that this could never happen. But I mean, Jesus under, Jesus knows everything he's got. So he knows when he's getting ripped off, and yet, and yet he allows it. It's, it's kind of amazing. This happens in, in, in the lives of many throughout history. People allow an area of their lives to control them. In this case, it's greed. In this case, he allowed greed to control him, so he set things up and just think, well, Jesus will just wink at my sin. It's okay. But there's other people that have, that have lust issues, and they're online. They're, they're involved in all kinds of hidden secret things that are defiling for them. And, and, and many people think this. They think, well, it's my, it's my life, and I can do what I want to. I can do whatever I want to because it's my life. Well, first of all, if you've really given your life to Jesus, it's not your life, it's his. He purchased you, he owns you, which is wonderful when you think about, you know, vengeance is mine, declares the Lord. So if you've ever been done wrong, if you'll just submit it and leave it in the hands of Jesus like David did, God will fix that wagon. You know, it's my life, I can do what I want to. So if I want to go and look at, at porn, if I want to go and, and defile myself, I can do what I want to. It's my life. Well, again, if you're born again, it's, it's not your life. Number two, you're deceived in thinking that you can just do whatever you want and it's only going to affect you because demons and demon power is parasitical, as we have taught so many times. And so it'll look for an opportunity to attach itself to you. And listen, if you wanted to go swim in a sewer, if you just decided, wow, it's hot outside, it, glory to God, I'm going to cool off in a sewer. Why, you go swim in a sewer, that wouldn't be good for you. Now, if you got out and walked into your house, has anybody got mud coming in the house right about? Yeah, it was springtime, duh. Yeah, mud, mud on your shoes, right? It's springtime in Alaska. There's a whole lot more mud. I've buried my truck in springtime. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? never got stuck in the winter, and then you roll up on some grass and go, Right? You walk in your house, you don't wipe off your shoes. If you've gone through a sewer, you're in some mud. That gets all over your, your carpet. It gets, it gets into your, into your, come on. How many of you ever had a dog rolling something dead? 
Right, so then when you come into your house, your dog's inside, you're like, my God, what is that? It's the dog. It rolled in something dead. Well, in the same way spiritually, you think you can just go and look at stuff and live the way you want to and spend your money the way you want to and have these lusts and these perversions and think it's just you. You're totally mistaken because all of hell sees what you're doing and you've been made a target because you've opened up a doorway, a gate because of sin. Oh, the Lord will protect me. He only protects you if you stay underneath his hand. And I'm so thankful for his mercy you know, that when we, when we might blow it, you know, it's just like, which is the sin that takes you out from his hand? I don't think it's quite like that. But if you live a lifestyle of it, come on, him who's been forgiven doesn't continue in sin. First John talks about that. If you continue in sin, then you have been short-sighted and you don't really know what's happened. So Judas had a greed problem. Now, I don't know what challenge you might have, but whatever leaven might be working in your life, watch your step. Why is that? Because that thing will work through your whole life, and before you know it, you can end up taking a big fall just like Judas did. I want to finish my race. Anybody else want to finish their race? If you choose to do evil, you're preparing yourself for destruction. If you choose to live a compromised life where you're doing the very things that Jesus died on a cross and rose again from the grave for, and you continue in that, you're setting yourselves up for destruction. John 12 and 7 says, leave her alone. Jesus straight rebukes him. Said it was intended that she should have this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, will not always have me. So Jesus rebukes him. It could be that Judas fell into deception and one of the largest crimes in history, the betrayal of Christ, because he was offended. I will tell you offense. In the Greek, the word is scandalon. And like a trap that's held up by a stick and a box that would then fall on its prey, scandalon would be the stick. So the same name for offense is scandalon. If you allow yourself to be offended, then you have set yourself up for being trapped. You cannot, listen, you need to live above offense. You have to live a life of forgiveness. People are going to come and hurt your feelings. Come on, have you ever been offended? Great. Welcome to the human race. Every single one of us have been offended. Just don't stay that way. Don't stay offended. Don't stay in a place of bitterness and anger because of what took place. You have to forgive. Because if you don't, it'll be a scandal onto you. You'll be trapped. Jesus spoke words that offended. How many of you have ever been offended by God's word? I have. Yeah, that's good. That's the meat of the word. And the meat of the word is when it really speaks to you and you're like, oh, snap, that hurt. That's right. Don't harden your heart towards him like, how could they, how could I, oh, oh, I, I'm just not going to serve him. I'm offended, God. Don't you even know? No, listen, don't tear out little sections of scripture and like obey some of it and don't obey other parts of it. I think Judas was offended. All of a sudden you see this Judas Iscariot, what he may have thought, what, how he may have been processing. We don't know. We really don't know. He was disappointed for sure that Jesus was not a political Messiah. And there's times in our walk when things don't go the way that we want them to. There's times in our lives when 
I mean, some of the biggest upset I've had with the Lord has been because I knew that I knew I had a prophetic word, I had scripture, I had prayed, I had fasted, and I knew what was going to happen. And that's exactly what didn't happen. And when that happens, you know, you need to question yourself of whether he's Lord or not. Do you trust his leadership? I've told this story so many times, but I feel pressed to tell it one more time. I was serving God with my hair on fire probably uh, prior to meeting my beautiful wife, Pastor Karen. I had been previously married, was divorced, had two daughters, still have two daughters, almost 30 now, and had lost basically everything, wound up giving my life to Christ, thank and bless his holy name, got gloriously saved. And as I was serving God, I realized, man, God can do anything. He can heal my marriage. I know she hates me, but he can touch her heart and change it. And I listen, I deserve to be divorced. I'm just telling you. Okay? I was a wicked, wicked man. He set me free. And I was poison and I was dangerous. It was, it was not good. So she, I believe she did the right thing in divorcing me. But now I'm saved and I'm filled with the Spirit. I'm leading people to Christ left and right. I'm on fire singing songs everywhere I go. I mean, it's just amazing. So then I'm like, woo, I'm going to head back. And, and, and as soon as she opens the door and I had people giving me prophetic words and I had words in Scripture, you know, I'm going to restore everything and on and on. I had dreams about how it was going to happen. So I get it all together. I scrape my money together and I leave Hawaii, which is where I was, and I went to the Washington state, the state of Washington, and I'll never forget going to the house. And I had this picture. She's going to open the door. And she's going to be like, it's you. You're home. And what is that amazing glow? It reminds me of Moses. Tell me about your God. You know, I thought it was just going to be like that. She'd fall out. The kids would run and grab my legs. And I'd be like, everybody, pray this prayer with me right now. Dear Heavenly Father, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending you. And I'd lead them to Christ, and then they'd lift their hands, and I'd be like, and the fire of God would fill them, and they'd all fall out, and we'd weep and roll around, and we'd get remarried and go on. La, 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 la. We'd go on and have this amazing life. Did anybody ever fabricate stuff like that in your mind? Oh, I'm the only one. Liars go to hell. You know you have. You know you have. Vain imagination. I had one or two people get in my face before I got on the plane. Hey, that's not God. I'm like, you're cut off. <laughs> yeah. Well, I knocked on the door. It was nothing like that. I think it was a blood-curdling scream in my... Door shut. I was like, whoa, that's not exactly what I imagined. Then she came back with her hand behind her back, which I'm pretty sure was a gun. Leave, get out of here. Why have you come back? Oh my God. She's calling out to God, so am I. Different picture. She's screaming with the phone in one hand, he's here, send the police. A gun in her other hand, screaming in my face. I'm like, wait, 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 calm down, calm down. Baby's crying in the background. Screaming, screaming. Won't, you know, won't shut the door again. I'm walking outside. I start praying in tongues. I'm like, what? What? Uh, woo! The cops show up. Everything comes out. Here they come. Here they come to get the crazy man at the front door. I'm like filled with the Spirit, a messenger of God. I come to bring the word of the Lord. Oh, no. 
And they said, You're, you know, you need to leave or we're taking you to jail. There's a long-term restraining order on you and you need to go. It was a lifetime restraining order. I think it was lifted, pretty sure. Since then, it was lifted, glory to God. And so I realized I'm going to jail or I will submit and leave. So as I'm walking away, I'll never forget walking down the driveway, walking down the driveway. I got to a certain point in the driveway and I said, hey, wait a minute. Cops are there right next to me. I said, hey, wait a second. Hey, you said that you were going to give me my family back. Where, what happened? And it was just like crickets. And man, my heart ripped in two. And I cursed God on the spot. Gave him the single finger salute. Bad idea. Not like that. I said, I hate you. I'll never serve you ever again. You're like everybody else. And I turned my back and I went back into the world for about eight months of sheer hell and torment. Because in my mind, in my mind, I had a picture of how it was going to work out. That he was going to be the Messiah that restored all that for me. But that's not what he did. I think Judas was so disappointed that Jesus didn't become a political Messiah and override Rome. And I have seen over and over and over again People disappointed, and as a result of their disappointment, it worked like a sliver in their heart, and they ended up turning from the Lord over a period of time because God didn't do it. God didn't give you the man. God didn't give you the woman. God didn't restore the relationship. God, 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 all kinds. Listen, he's God. You're the clay. He's the potter, right? So you just got to trust his leadership. And when you don't understand how things are going to work out or you don't understand the outcome or why it happened a certain way, just bow and worship him and trust him. Do the best you can with your own life. Submit to God. Resist the devil. He will flee. And ask him to heal you of your disappointment. I did that eight months later. Things don't always go the way that you want. In our disillusionment, we can give up in faith. I will tell you that 20 plus years later, and many of you heard the story, I've told it a number of times. 20 plus years later, I was in Seattle at our extension there having revival meetings with Pastor Alex. I woke up one morning, the second day of the revival meetings, and the Lord spoke to me and said, get up and go back to the house that you cursed me at. I thought, yes, sir. Got up. Pastor Alex drove. I wept for whole sections of the drive. Had to find the actual house. Found the house. Got out of the house. Stood in the same place that I had cursed him and flipped him off. Lifted my hands and wept. Wept like a baby that God in his infinite mercy had restored my life and blessed me the way that he has now with a beautiful wife and beautiful children and amazing church being used by God two decades later that he, was, that he brought me back and healed me. And I stood in that place of God's redemptive power. And then I was like, my God, you're amazing. And I thought, maybe we should lead everybody to Jesus outside the house now. That's a great idea. So we just went and knocked on the door and some guy opened the door. He had known the Lord, but he was not serving him and I told him my story, tears in his eyes. He invited me in. I got to go in the house where so much heartbreak took place. I got to stand in the place where I signed my divorce papers and said that the curse of divorce will never come on the Bracken family ever again. 
And I broke that stuff and I pleaded the blood. Come on, God will redeem you. God will help you. But if you allow the disappointment to work in you, disillusionment, you can end up like Judas. You've got to watch your step, watch your heart, for out of it flows the, the issues of life. You've got to trust in the Lord. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus. You must trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be Jesus. Trust and Come on, put your hands together for Jesus. Come on, praise break. Come on, praise break. Aren't you glad that God is on the throne? Aren't you glad that God's protected you? Think about some of the things that you wanted them to do when you look back and you're like, oh, thank you that you didn't answer that prayer. Sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayer. There's no such thing as actually unanswered prayer. He answers prayer. Yes, no, wait. He always answers. I can't hear anything now. Wait. Yes, praise the Lord. No, praise God. All right. Judas. Religious hypocrisy is seeing the sacred as nothing. I've seen that. I've seen it even recently where people aren't, don't have the fear of the Lord about treating things that are sacred to God. They don't have the fear of the Lord about it. And so they're just willing to say anything, do anything, trample on a church or a pastor. It doesn't happen here. It just doesn't. God's mercy, I think, because we pray and very loving congregation. Thank you, Jesus. But I, I've seen people just absolutely touch not mine anointed. I've seen people touch it all the time. This funny thing happens. It's not funny at all, actually, is what ends up in their own lives is they end up destroyed. Oh, it might not happen the day that they, that they did something horrible. As it plays out, an unrepentant heart then is released into a place of despondency and, and even in cursing and all kinds of stuff. Come on, watch your step. Every one of us here is subject to being able to be wiped out. Build your life. Build hedges of protection. Not, not, don't have the fear of, of the enemy. I'm not afraid of him. But at the same time, every day you need to keep your heart right. You need to keep a short account. Have no account. Have zero account. Don't, don't be offended. Trust God. Pray. Forgive people. If you've been hurt and backstabbed recently, well, Merry Christmas. And then just forgive them. Hurt people do, do hurt people do hurt stuff. I just can hear Pastor Karen right now. They just need healing. They just need healing. They ripped you up one side and down the other on Facebook. Them and their five friends ripped you up one side, down the other. Feels like the whole nation's against you. You know, the haters. The haters. It's like five people. 
It's like five people, and the and then the other the other ten people that are that are friends with them on Facebook are just intercessory people hoping they're going to get saved and delivered from the demon that's driving them. When are you going to argue with five people? Anyway, Judas at the Last Supper, he, you know, John leans against him and says, "Who's the one that's going to betray you?" Turn to First Corinthians eleven. And it's the one who sups with me. The, the Last Supper, Judas takes a cup and the bread knowing what he's going to do. He knows what he's going to do. And you can look, uh, you can look at, at the account where Judas, Judas ate the bread, drank the cup, and Satan entered him. That's a fascinating, fascinating scripture. Because in 1 Corinthians 11, turn there and let's uh, take a look at that real quick. I'm not going to go much longer. We'll go to 9 o'clock, just 9 o'clock. Pastor Kirsten said go to 9. 1 Corinthians 11. He didn't really say that. I was just kidding. 1 Corinthians 11. Hallelujah. Verse 23, for I received from the Lord, I also delivered to you that the Lord Jesus on the same night that he, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. That, that's not just in there, okay? The same night that he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup. You all there? Verse 25. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do. As often as you do drink it, do this in remembrance of me. Verse 26, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Therefore, as a result of that, therefore whoever eats this bread and drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the blood, the body and blood of the Lord. Let a man examine himself. Listen very closely now. Let a man examine himself. And so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak. Listen, he's writing to the church. It's not the Old Testament. Listen. He's writing to the church and he says, For the reason that people have not received communion in a way that's worthy, In other words, they just take the cracker, drink the cup like it's a little snack, and they're just going to go and continue to fornicate. Just going to go and continue to rip people off. Just going to go and continue in their porn. Just going to go and continue in their deception because it's my life and I can do what I want to and still serve the Lord. And he says this, that's why some of you are weak and sick among you and many sleep. Do you see the word sleep? That's death. So are you telling me, Pastor Daniel, that 1 Corinthians 10 says that if you don't receive, you can receive sacred things in an unsacred way and actually bring a curse on yourself and cause yourself to be weak and sick? It's totally what the Word is saying, not me. The Word says that regarding communion. But I think it's in other things, too. You have to be sensitive. Don't put your mouth on stuff you don't understand. And watch your step. Come on, somebody say, watch your step. Come on, this is a good word of warning to us. So we're going to take communion next, not now, because like some people are going to be running out the back of the church all freaked out. But we'll take communion <laughs> the next weekend. 
We tell you it's an open communion, but when you receive it, don't just receive it like, like it doesn't mean anything. Take a look. How's your life? Are you bitter? Are you angry? Are you, are you brooding over something? Is there unforgiveness in your life? Do you have sin in your life? Have you, have you gotten off track? Are you offended? Are you mad at God? And examine your heart and, and, and don't allow that to stay in your life and then just take communion. The communion is very powerful. Yes, it's a little cracker and a little juice. We don't use wine so we don't stumble former alcoholics. But it's a powerful symbol that releases life or death. Really, in the Old Testament, there's a cup of blessing and the cup of cursing. You don't want the cup of cursing. You say, well, how does that happen? Just receive it in a worthy manner. What if I got all that stuff in my life that you just mentioned? Repent. They say, what if I'm going to go back to it? Just just repent and ask God to help you not to go back and then try to, try to you know, develop some relationship, get some accountability, get away from people that are leading you astray. Come on, get healing. Get, get the enemy broken off of you. Some of you are tormented by demon power and you wonder why you're constantly seduced to go back to that website, constantly seduced to go back to that place on your phone. It's a demon and it draws you in to destroy you. Sure is quiet in here. Satan entered him, as it says in the text. John 13 is that passage where I'm referring to. Turn there, John 13, verse 23. Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. I love how he defines himself. He doesn't say, and that was me. He said, oh, I'm the one that he loves. He's defined by his love relationship with the Lord. How do you define yourself? It's another message, verse 24. Simon Peter therefore mentioned to him who asked who it was of who he spoke. Verse 25, leaning back on Jesus' breast, he said to him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, it is he whom I shall give a piece of bread when I have dipped it. And having dipped the bread, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. Now after the piece of bread, Satan entered him. It's a direct correlation to 1 Corinthians 11. It's, it's, it's the last supper. It's, wow. He said, Jesus said to him, what you do, do quickly. Let's bring this to conclusion as my worship team comes. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, I want you to go there, please. So what are you saying? I felt very strongly to emphasize the importance of treating that which is sacred as, as what it is, sacred. And to teach you along these lines to instill in you as his son or daughter a fear of the Lord. You can't just live however you want to live. You can't just say whatever you want to say. And we need to be sensitive to that. Judas... Judas killed himself. Now, different places it says that Judas hung himself. Another place says that his entrails burst in the field called a keldama. Let me say, well, which is it? Did he hang himself or did he burst open? Lightfoot, a scholar, said that it was both and that when he got so large in the sun as he was on the tree, if I could just say it very plainly that way, it was then that he burst in the field called the Keldama, the field of blood, the potter's field. 
God wants to bless you. He wants to help you. He wants to put his spirit, his power on you. And he, he wants you blessed and multiply. I am blessed and I will multiply. But if you don't watch your step, you're not careful about your heart and the way that which you live, being offended and going through things, you can get in a place that can disqualify you from the race. And no one plans to be growing up when they're a little boy. I just want to be a Judas. I just want to destroy my life. Who wants to do that? If you do, you definitely demonized if you have that declaration in your heart, self-hatred. No little girl grows up and says, yes, I just, right? That's not how we grow up. Little girls, all, they're, all, they're, all, they're all princesses. They all one day hope that Prince Charming comes. That's the desire that God gives. Little boys are all knights in shining armor. Now, none of us dream of, yeah, let me destroy my life. Nobody grows up at home and said, what I want to do is be a crack addict. Yes, sign me up. Where can I be involved? No. But the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And for the life of believers, I've seen many, many pastors disqualify themselves. I've seen leaders disqualify themselves. Judas was one of the 12. He was a disciple. This isn't some scrub. He saw the miracles. He walked with Jesus for three and a half years. How is it that somebody like that could be a part of such a horrible deception and end up losing everything? Is that Jesus, Judas went to heaven? No, I don't think that Judas went to heaven. I think that Judas went to hell for a lot of reasons. And he said, well, I'm saved now, so I can't listen. Once saved, always saved. I don't even, I don't believe that. I don't. And a lot of people do. And then they think they could just live however they want to because they've given their life to Jesus. That's not true. A Baptist theology would say, well, if it, maybe they weren't really saved. That could be true. But in Scripture, over and over and over, it's a, it's a, there's a warning that see to it that no one has a sinful, unbelieving heart and turns from the Lord. It turns from the Lord. You can turn away from it. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 11, Now these things happened to them as examples and were written down to us as warnings on whom the culmination of the ages have come. So, verse 12, If you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Be careful that you don't fall. The enemy has been causing men and women to fall for millennium. He caused Adam and Eve to fall, and he's been doing it ever since. He's underneath your feet, but you must keep him there through your right attitudes, through your right motives. You can't be deceived. You can't be offended. You've got to draw close to God and not let him weasel his way in there to rip you off. There's a number of people here, you're disappointed that it didn't turn out the way that you dreamed or imagined. Well, it's not over yet. Pray, believe, and leave it with God. Be careful you don't fall or watch your step. Verse 13, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. God will always make a way out. Every one of us can end up as a Judas. I've decided I don't want to be a Judas. 
Come on, someone say, I don't want to be a Judas. Disappointment, offense. Some of you have a secret sin tonight. What do you mean a secret sin? I mean your little pet thing that you do, that nobody else that you do, but you know it's wrong. That. so funny. I love when the Holy Spirit just drops a bomb like that because you got people like, I don't want to know anything. Not talking to me. Amen. Secret sin. If you have secret sin in your life, you had best get it out of your life because it will be soon shouted from the rooftops. As an expression of God's love, you will get busted. But if the enemy has this way and it plays in your life, then you'll end up like a Judas. Not me. Did you get something this evening? Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.